0: you back. We're part two of our series, Reach. And this morning, what I want to talk about is living beyond ourselves. It's living God's way. How many of you want to li- live God's way? And you know, sometimes, how many you tried it your way? And it didn't work out too well, did it? Come on, we, if we could just get up here and give a microphone, how'd it work out with you? We'd be here all day. Okay but this morning in our series we're going to talk about what God wants us to, God wants us to live beyond ourselves so we can impact the world for Christ for Jesus and so Last week, we also unveiled the plans God has given us as our church in the next three years. And our passion has always been about reaching people, building lives. And we talked about in order to continue that what and further that, we, we started our REACH program. And, you know, what is the REACH project all about, our REACH project campaign all about? The REACH project is about extending, about expanding, and about enhancing our church. And in order to continue to fulfill the vision God has given us as a church... And I just say this, and we talked about, you know, God wants to give you a God-given vision. That means it's bigger than you. You can't do it by yourself. And when you live God's vision, you're able to see a greater footprint of what God can do and how he touches people's lives. Amen? And so this morning... I just want to go on that. And so if you didn't get a brochure last week and just shared a little bit, just about what our vision is. And we, we definitely want to give you a brochure. If you didn't get a, a brochure last week, could you just raise your hand and say, just I, I need a brochure. And those maybe that you weren't here last week because some going to just get the brochure to these guys real quick. You can put it down. And when they come back in with them, I'll have you raise your hand. All right. So you're not there. You don't feel like you're in, in, in eternity with your hand raised up. Because some of you might have came from a church where you never rose your hand for anything. Much less, two, two, yeah, two questions, you know what I'm saying? So you raise your hand real quick, and they're, they're, they got it together. Can, if you didn't get a brochure, good. Okay, they're, they're gonna Just keep your hand until they get there. By the way, all, all you need to familiarize yourself is really on our, our REACH website. It's reach.oscconnect.com, and I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning looking at a man that had a great dream, and not only did he have a great dream for his son, and he learned to live God's way. And I believe this. The man, the, the, what we're going to talk about, that man is Abraham. And I want to look at how he learned to live life, the life of surrender. How many you like that word surrender? Not many people do, do they? You know, hey man, I, I just got to surrender. You know, we don't like that idea, but what happens is, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and in Genesis chapter 22, put put your finger, in those are the two chapters, and those are two places where we're going to camp out this morning, we're on the travel channel, and we're on a journey together, and so well, let's look and see what the Word of God says, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he, that he will find acceptable or pleasing. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world. How I many of you have tried that one before? You know, and it says, but, but, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, and I like it, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so this morning, interesting, this passage, Paul is showing us that we are not just a, we're not just a sacrifice. We're, we're called to be a living sacrifice. And you know, that's what we are talking about today, living a life of sacrifice. And see, in other words, a life surrendered to God. So what does that look like, Pastor Bubba? You know, this life of surrender we live as as Christians is a continual process. It's not a one-time thing. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Because here here it is, and we're going to see it in this story. When God speaks to us, this is the way he'll speak to us. It's about surrendering something. It's giving something up. It's laying something down. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you have to make a step of faith. It's forsaking all that's familiar to you, forsaking your, 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 maybe your religious past, but looking to God saying, I'm going to follow you, God, and it's, I'm not going to live by all these things. that men, I'm going to live by your word. That's going to be the compass. That's going to be the place I'm going to look to where you want me to be and what you want to do in my life, and stepping out in faith. And we talked about last week in the life groups, so when's the last time you did something crazy for God? Got quiet in here. When's this, this the last time? You know, I, I, I mean, one of my mentors, his name's Papa Salerno. He used to throw guys down elevator shafts and stuff. He went to federal prison. He got saved, radically saved. He was in the mafia with Salerno. Think about it. And, and everywhere he goes, he goes, you know, he'd, he'd go to the gas station with him. or Like we were in, in, in college, and, and he'd go, all right, you had to go work at Papa Salerno's house. I, I love that because he, he, his wife would give you donuts. He'd talk to you about the Lord. We'd do a little bit of work, but he'd always, he want to preach Jesus to you the whole time. And he'd look at me, he'd go, hey, and he's speaking broken English. He'd go, hey, uh, you'll know Amaya Jesus, you? He'd go at the gas station, and he'd look at people. He'd be pumping gas, and they'd be pumping. They'd, they'd even look at him. he goes, go, hey. You know my Jesus, you? And I love one of his famous sayings. He says, you know, God can use anybody, him, yeah. He said, if God can use an ass to speak to a man, God can use you. <laughs> Don't get mad at me about the word I said. That's all in King James, too, anyway. If you're worried about it, we, we preach from King James. That's it, all right so there's it's a life of surrender there's an altar how many of you know there's an altar in your heart you don't see it but there's an altar that your heart represents what are you going to hold on to see we have come back we come back each day and each week in each year we have to come back to to what we do is my life is my heart yes there, there's an initial surrender i mean there's an initial surrender to god when you get you bow your will and say god I'm no longer going to live my life the way I want to live it, but I'm going to trust you with all my life. You're the king of my heart. You're the king of my life. I lay down my life. I want all of you, so that means I have to be willing to lay down all of me, and I'm not holding on to this, and I'm not holding on to that. I mean, I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly with everything I have and all that's in me. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to be a disciplined learner. God, I've done it my way, and I don't want to do it my way I give you all of me. See, if you want all of God, you got to be willing to give all of you. And so the altar represents. There's a surrender. However, there's a, I mean, you know, they're always. You know, you may do something once a year, quarterly, and stuff. But you know what? There's. I believe this. There's always a resurrendering. There's that initial surrender, but there's always that resurrendering. Come on. You know, and so what is that? And we're going to talk about it. And that happens over and over and over again in our lives is resurrendering. So, a dead sacrifice, let let me just say this a dead sacrifice is a one time experience. On the other hand, Christianity is a process, it's a journey, and you are a living sacrifice. How many of you know it's a journey? Are you perfect yet? because anybody perfect here this morning I'll give you the bible I'll take my notes cuz you'll know what to say cuz you're perfect No one's perfect in here and God is working in all of us Some of us are dealing with things you know I, I mean I heard someone say you're only as sick as your secrets and see, for many of us, is that, you know, sometimes the tears that we cry represents the pain that's in our lives. And God sometimes can lay down that pain, lay down that, that thing, lay down that. And we're gonna talk about some of those things th- this morning. But what God wants to do when we do surrender. And so this morning, y'all with me? So here it is. All of us, you know, all of us have a way of crawling off the altar when God asks us to do something, don't we? Come on, how many of you are a squirm worm? It's about to happen, and you're going. Oh, I don't want to do. You know, I don't want to. Uh, it might hurt. I don't like it. It don't feel good. My son Nathan. He's my fourth son. He's in Baton Rouge right now, and he's doing great. For all of you that are praying for him, and uh, my wife has this this curry chicken broccoli mixture she makes sometimes. When he was about. Five or six, and it's a story we talk about in our. You know, we t- sometimes. How I many? You know, you got stories and monuments in your family. You know, what I'm talking about just happenings, and I never forget that one day and He was like, he looked at it and he go, and the way he would talk, he says, "My stomach says I don't want this. My belly says I don't want to eat this." And so I told him, I said, "Your belly better get with the program. Your, food, your spoon, your spoon, and your fork, whatever." And he wouldn't do it, and he was like, he was refusing to do it. So I, I brought him to the back, and we don't spank at my house. We whoop. Okay? I whooped his butt, and I told him, when you go back in there, you're going to eat that stuff. And I remember when he got there, he had his fart, and he was like, and he goes, My belly says I like this now. (laughs) And you know, I'm not saying God has to whoop your butt, but sometimes we have to come that place and we try to snick, just kind of snail ourselves out of it. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here like that? I mean, you know, when God's asking you to do something great or it's difficult, we, we try to make excuses. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, God, if you, you know, you make this, this, this fleece of, Lord, if you do this and God doesn't, you go, well, Lord, if you do this and then, well, Lord, if it does that. You know, I mean, can I anybody like that besides me in here? All right. I just want to feel normal here. And so here's the question. Will we keep those things that matter most to us on the altar or not? What does that look like, Pastor Bubba? Such as, let me just say, maybe your family. Maybe our relationships, our dreams, and yes, even our money. You know, let's, let's dive into Abraham's life. Abraham learned how to live God's way by living a life, and here it is, a life of surrender. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Abraham was promised he would be the father of many nations twice. In Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 15, where he went out and God just began to share with him. He said, son, look at all the stars. That represents you and all the generations that will follow you. All your descendants are are greater than the stars of the sky. But we, we talked about it last week. There was a problem. The Bible says that Abraham became old. He was 100. And his wife became 90. And we know, and God was still telling him he had the promise. And he tried to do his own way through, you know, Hagar, the maid that Sarah gave Abraham, he said, you know, here's my maid. And he goes, oh, do I really have to? Yeah, he goes, yes, anyway. And you know what happened It came the son of the flesh, which means it was Absalom. But there was the son of the promise God had promised him. How many of you try to do things in your own way? And you got to live with your Absalom. The Bible says he was wild, and that's King James again. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but he was wild as a wild ass. You couldn't control him, but he loved him. But see what happens here in his story. God gave him a fantastic vision that would accomplish that he would accomplish through his life. It's interesting note that, Ab- that God called Abraham the father of many nations, but he didn't even have a son when God said that. And then when he did tell him, "Now it's time, son. He's a hundred years old." Sarah is ninety, and the Bible says when he looked at himself and he looked at her and he said, "We as good as dead." Come on, can you imagine if that happened in Lake Arthur? Did you hear about Papa Thibodeau and Momo? What happened? You know, Papa, we celebrated his hundredth birthday last week. Mama's pregnant. Say what? She got a tumor maybe, but she ain't pregnant. No, they went in the doctor. The doctor said they did the CAT scan. They did everything, and Abraham said it was going to be a boy. And sure enough, the stem was on the apple. It's a boy. Say what? Come on. How many of you know Lake Arthur would be talking? It'd make the Jennings paper you imagine Abraham, Sarah? <laughs> My question, what happened to Abraham that night? I don't know. God brought some spiritual viagra, made things alive. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't care what you think. We've talked about things in this church. But there's a lot of things the world throw at you. We may as well just have fun while we're here. Amen? And we may as well live life the way it should be and that we love God and we have fun on the way. I heard someone tell me this week. There was a lady, and I'm just telling you, she, she was like 71-year-old Pentecostal lady. She was getting some work done on her body and stuff. She goes, you know, if I could do it all over again, she goes, I think I'd have a lot more fun in life. And I think I'd do things a little different than the way I've been doing them. <laughs> See, let me tell you something. Religion restricts you. Relationship releases you to be what God wants you to be. That's all my religious talk this morning. But here it is. Isaac was no ordinary son. He was the son of promise. Think about it. The entire lineage of Israel would begin with the birth of Isaac. However, when Isaac was still young, we find Abraham faced with a difficult question from God, a test. Come on. How many of you would love that when God was going to give you a test, it would be like that emergency broadcasting system? This is a test. Only a test of the eternal broadcasting system. This will only last for a season, but you will think your life will end. This is only a test. Wouldn't it be great? But it don't happen that way. But what happens is he's about to be tested. Look at me in in Genesis chapter twenty-two, and it's a great story. And it says sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son. Your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you have loved so much, and go to the land of Moab, and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mount on one of the mountains which I will show you. There's no argument in Abraham. Look, and he says the next morning, Abraham got up early. That was his response. He saddled his donkey, took him. And took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. And he chopped wood for a fire and a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we, we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering on the Isaac's shoulders while he, he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the offering? And I love this. Look what Abraham says. He says. The Lord will provide. That's really the theme of this this chapter. He said, the Lord will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. Then both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At the moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy," the angel said. "Do not hurt him in any way. For now, I know that you truly fear God, and you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son." Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thorn, in the uh, caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh. Come on. Which means the Lord will provide. Come on, how many need a Jehovah Jireh? To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord came, called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says: Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear. By my own name, that I will, I love this, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond the number like the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. And your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Come on, the word of God is so good. It's a great story. It's a great story. God will provide no matter what you walk through, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face. God will provide. This is like a good movie. And this was the test of a lifetime. It really was. It it was all a matter of faith for Abraham. Would he resurrender to God what was most precious to him? Some of you. Surrendering your money to God is a big deal. Maybe. But your dream is maybe surrendering, maybe surrendering your child to be a missionary. That's a big deal. Because you want your kid living right next to you. Come on, every mama said, quit lying to me, mamas. Resurrendering to God means that you continually have to give to God what is most important to you. What is that? Abraham was faced with this challenge. Would he trust God as his provider, or would he remove his son from the altar? Think about it. Will I trust God, or will I make a deal? You see, I want to give you three keys to living God's way this morning as we look through the Scripture and the Word of God. Number one is Abraham was willing to re-surrender. Say it with me, me, re-surrender. Genesis chapter 2 22 verse 2 Take your son your only son yes Isaac whom you love so much and go to the land of Moab and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the one on, it says on one of the mountains which I will show you God often tests us with the things that are most important to us Come on The more things you have that are more important to you the more successful you become it's much more of a test To re-surrender to God. What does that mean? Why? Because the more you have, the harder it is to risk it when God speaks. Now, let me just, the first things we we put on the altar are the things that we love the most many times. You know what? Don't don't get me wrong. Listen, God is fine with you having possessions. Can I just make that? I just want to let you know. God's fine with that with us having a great family, having great dreams, as long as those things don't possess us. Hello? See, our human nature is to grip on the things and hold on to them. You know what I'm talking about? And we hold tightly to things that we, we love the most. They became an idol. I remember reading a story about a guy in India that he was he had this little idol that he worshipped, and he would pray to this idol, and when, when, when they went to go pick him up, he had died, and they found him, and it was clutched to his hand. There was this little wooden idol that he prayed to that would help him through his sickness, and he was believing for this idol to get him through. And when they went to pick him up, and they saw on the bottom of this idol, it said, Made in China. I thought, how sad that a man was praying to something that was man-made, And hoping that he could work. And I know a lot of people, they think, you know, if I just do it my way, come on. I heard a guy one time going to worship a Brahma bull one morning. The bull attacked him while he was worshiping it. He found a missionary and he said, I'll give my life to God because I don't want to be praying to bulls no more. Because this is full of bull. But anyway. That's why God called you and I to live a life of resurrender. That's what I saw that you see in Romans 12. If you look in Abraham's history, he had already asked God. God had already asked him to surrender once. God had asked him to move from his comfort zone, his home, his family, and all those things that had him. And you know what? And he had to resurrender it was nothing new. That was nothing new to Abraham. Look at me. I want to tell you something. When God called me to leave Lafayette 14 years ago, God had already called me to leave there years before that. When I left, my family is a very wealthy family. My mother and my father, and I'm not saying this, they live in a $5 million home, okay, in a fine, fine place. People always look at me and go, hey, your parents bought shit? My parents haven't given me a dime, and I'm not asking for it, but I pray for them. And, you know, I can look back. God called me away from a place of comfort. Come on. I could, be an, I could own a business right now. They were setting me up to own part of the business. I had to leave that place of comfort to come to Jennings, Louisiana. Praise God he called me here. Some of you wouldn't be here, not because of me, but because of God, out of an act of obedience. Are you hearing me? And the reason we have empty chairs, a few left in here, is because that's for the people that are going to be coming that need Jesus. And see, God will call you out of a place of comfort, out of a place, and God will, you know, in in doing that, let me just say, and that's why when we go and do other, other churches and other campuses, listen, I look back at my life, God created me right for what I'm doing right now. Why? Because when I was a little kid, I graduated, I went, by the time I graduated high school, I went to 15 different schools, okay? Because we moved or I got kicked out or asked not to come back. Okay, but I look back and it's like God was teaching me when even when I was young, don't be just anchored to something. You got to come on. I look back and I understand. I understand what a broken home is. I understand what pain is. I understand what things are going through. God allowed those things, but it's not. And God will wipe those tears. Come on. I'm going off the page. Is that all right this morning? Because, see, God knows exactly what we need. And God knows, even when we think, well, I'm just, resurrendering was nothing new to Abraham. And maybe resurrendering is nothing new to you. But God may be speaking to you. And see, the second thing, Abraham trusted God as this his provider. Abraham said, My son, my son, God will provide. My, my God will provide for himself. The lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And then verse 14, it says, And Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide. Jehovah, Jehovah as he said to this day, The mount of the Lord, it will be, it shall be provided. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been without? I, listen, I've been a missionary. I've been, I, I remember one time we first got married. I remember I prayed, went down to this basement, we, this house I went and lived in, and I'd given this guy a book to read when I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, because we used to do street ministry. And I remember it was a Charles Finley book. I was telling him about Charles Finley. Finney, Finley, Finney. And, 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 and this, this couple, and I was just we stayed up, and talk, I talked to this couple, ministered to them. And about a year after that, I'd brought up my book, and I went to go read it that morning. But I had prayed. I said, God. My wife and I don't have anything. And I remember I said, Lord, I'd just like to take her out on a date. If you could just provide some way to bring provision. And man, I'm telling you, I went to go open that book. This God strike me dead right now if I'm lying to you. I opened that book and there was an envelope. And it said to Bubba McCann. I opened up the envelope and it was a letter from that lady that I would ministered to, God had blinded my eyes. And inside that, she wrote a letter, just thank you for coming, blessing us and blessing my home. And she put $30 in there. I ran up those steps from that. Tracy, we going out, baby. God provided. Come on, all of you got stories how God came in the mailbox God showed up at your doorstep. God sent a person when you needed it. God knows you. He knows what you need even before you ask. And God will provide. He is a God of provision. See, if you trace back to Abraham's stories I mentioned earlier, you'll see the foundation of trust was built. Abraham was getting to know God, and he was learning to trust that God was faithful to provide any and everything and in every way for his life. It was, it was just a matter of faith, forsaking all. I take him. You see, we see in verse 5 that Abraham knew that God would intervene when he said, then we will come right back. I love that. He's said, Well, we'll be back. Because you know what? He's the son of promise. God told if him, if, if I have to take him out, God will resurrect him. But he's the son of promise. And if it's not him, he'll give me something better. Amen? But sometimes we like that little Indian man. I'm holding on to my little king. You got to let go. You know what a spirit of poverty is? Look at me. It's when you hold on to something so tight, no one can open your hand. And can I tell you something? This is what our region, this is what this region needs. Let me tell you, it's pride, prejudice, and poverty that our reg- every South Louisiana, small little town deals with. Someone ought to say amen somewhere. And what God is constantly doing is trying to open the hand of those that think that they got things, that they can control things, and they may have money, but they have a poverty spirit. And that poverty spirit, what it does, religion brings on a poverty devil. Hello? Because when you give to God, God is always open-handed. Thanks for all those amens, but anyway. Let me go back. I'm not mad at anybody. God wanted to know if Abraham would continue to trust him. I love this. Hebrews. Look, it says, Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he, he had received the promises offered up. His only begotten son, in whom he said, and Isaac your seed shall come, including that God was able to raise him even from the dead, from which he had received him in a figurative sense. If God calls you to sacrifice the very thing that he's promised you, let me just, he's either gonna resurrect what you he's promised, or he's gonna provide something greater for you than you ever anticipated. God's got a dream for your life. How I many of you believe that? God's got a dream bigger than you, and you can't accomplish it by yourself. And see, you know, you just got to be faithful with, with what, what you receive, and be be prayerful about, about what you need. I read a story in the in the Nazi concentration camps, and the people they said, you know what? In our camp, we learned we we realized this. They said this is what we learned when we how we survived in the concentration camp. He said they said we saw we saw the we saw that philosophically. And we saw it spiritually that people that were capable of sharing survived. They said, when you would see someone in their group, he said, in our group, everybody survived, everybody shared, even though we had a little bit. He said, but when someone went to not, when they stopped sharing and they just took it themselves, we looked around and said, they're not going to make it. But they said, everyone that shared made it. And think about it. What is God asking you to do? What is God speaking to you? The third and final thing, God blessed, multiplied, and gave a great legacy to Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 said, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings I will bless you and multiply you. Uh, and multiply, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven in the sand, which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate, the, the, the gate of the enemies in your seed, All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And see, because Abraham was willing to resurrender in the case of his son, Isaac, God blessed him. Not only did he bless him, he multiplied and see maybe maybe you know what and he gave him the greatest legacy in all of scripture he became the father of many nations and see maybe god is has been tapping you on the shoulder and asking you to res- resurrender something i don't know what it is but you and god do and i believe god's big enough that i don't have to know what you you're thinking but the holy spirit's already speaking to you. You see, every time God calls us to resurrender, it's a test. It's only a test of the eternal broadcasting system. Remember those? The question of today is this: Will you resurrender and trust God with the things you love the most? What does that look? If you're doing what God, if you're doing with what God has put in, you see. What are you doing with what God has put in your hands? What are you doing with it? Here's the question. You can only commit that which is already on the altar. What does that look like, Pastor? What's on the altar? If you're holding your kids and you go, no, not gonna do it. you're holding your money, nah. Or your career in your hands, look at me. Then you're responsible for what happens. Hello, anybody out there? Your, your money, your career, your kids, those things that are dear to you. If you hold on to those things, you're responsible with the effects of what takes place. But, here's the good but. How many of you know there's good buts in the Bible and there's some bad buts in the Bible? It's where you put your butt. Okay? The butt is this. But if you surrender them to God, he's responsible. How many of you want your kids to be, res- how many of you want God to be responsible for your kids? I remember growing up in Lake Charles on Cactus Drive, 1221 Cactus Drive when I was a little kid. I walked to FK White uh, School right there by, off of McNeese. I remember walking there, and I remember if I would say one bad thing about my mama, then they, people, I remember back in the day, your neighbors could whip you. Listen, I mean, Lily. if I talk bad about my mama in my neighborhood, it would be like a hand coming out the screen door, going down the sidewalk, looking for me. And as I'm talking bad about my mama, it would slap me and slap my friends for listening. (laughs) See, it's this. God's going, all right, what is on the altar of your heart? It could be a relationship. Well, Pastor Bubba, you know, that, that guy, he's looking good. Pastor Bubba, she's looking fine. Do it God's way. Give it to him. Listen, can I just, as a living commercial right here this morning, I did it God's way. I tried to do it my way before, Okay. And when I committed to God, I said, God, I will not tell a woman I love her. I will not lay a hand on her till the day that I get married. And we have six children, so you know. Anyway, and I can stand here before the living God and before my wife. I never touched her. I never told her I loved her until I asked her to marry me. That is the grace and the power of God. But that was me sacrificing my idea, what it needed to look like, and trusting God in his idea, what it needed to look like. And see, that was the power of God. I look at my children. Listen, not all my children have been perfect. Not all of them have been perfect. But let me tell you something. When I call out to God and say, God, I gave them to you. When people come and dedicate their children, that's a sign of what they've already done in their heart. God, they're yours. They are yours. And let me tell you something. Yeah, I can remember that my grandmother gave me to the Lord. And every time I would go do something, it seemed like I got caught. Something happened to me. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, everywhere I went, I'm going, what the heck is going on? None of my friends, but they weren't having prayer like I was having. She'd call me, boy, what you doing? I said, Oh, no, at three o'clock in the morning, what are you doing? Calling me. It's surrendering. See, this is what God will do. And I'm going to close right here. I promise. No two closings today. Here is the bottom line, and I'm done. What is God asking you to surrender? It may be your life to trust him, wholeheartedly to him. It could be whatever it is. You fill in the blanks, but here it is. It's you letting go. And like Abraham saying, I can take him off or I can trust God. Come on. Abraham backed off, and he trusted God. He took the knife. And he had the fire. But he backed away and he surrendered. God brings all of us to a place of surrender. And then he also brings us to a place of stepping out in faith. To trust him when we get our hands off of it. Okay, God, it's yours. Come on. How many of you got to breathe on what you've given to him? Give it to him. And here's the cool thing. And when you do... You'll see the blessings of God like you've never seen. You'll see a breakthrough. Listen, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your money, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your business. Give it to God. And let's and just see what he does. And he will bless you. And guess what? When you do all that, he'll come right back in. It's time to resurrender. It's time to step out in faith. It's time to see the blessings of God. And it's a cycle that continues. Amen? Amen. That's it. I'm done. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for everyone here this morning. I thank you, Father, for your great power. And, Lord, this morning we come to you and we believe that, God, you are more than able to do exceedingly abundantly what we ask or think this morning. Thank you that, God, with your great love and your great wisdom, that you know every person here this morning. You know every thought. You know everything that's held them captive. You know everything that, that they've held dear and they, they realize this is something that I have to learn to sacrifice. This is something I need to resurrender, surrender something I need to trust you in. Maybe you heard this morning say, Pastor Baba, when you shared that, about giving God 100%, I'm at that place. I need to do that this morning. I'd gladly pray for you. Please, no one looking around. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Thank you. Put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. In the back. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. All over this room, 12, 14, 15 people, raise their hand this morning. God knows your cry God knows what you need He loves you He loves you man Father just pray this prayer If you raise your hand with me say, Father right now I come to you Jesus And I I believe what you did for me That you made the ultimate sacrifice You surrendered Your place in heaven to come to earth To show me What love really looks like That you were willing to surrender your life your blood and your body for me. And I ask, God, that you would forgive me and that, that Lord, that the power that's been in my life, the power uh, of sin, the power of just things in my life that have overwhelmed me, Lord, I just come and I trust you this morning and I give you all, 100%. And I want to let my hands off those things that I think they need to happen and I want to trust you with all my heart. Maybe you're here this morning. Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Thank you that you love me, that you would show me. At the end of this service, I want you, we have a book for you in the back. It's just a little white book. We want to give it to you as a gift if you. Raise your hand. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're going, Pastor, but there are things that God's speaking to me about, and I haven't been willing to sacrifice and to surrender to those things. Would you pray for me? God's speaking to me. And you, it, I, don't, I don't need to know all the specifics, but that was you this morning. Just raise your hand all over this place. Raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. Okay. Father, you see these hands. You know heart. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, stand. Father, you see these hearts. You see every individual. And God, you know everything that's needed. Your Lord, I thank you that we don't have to leave here disappointed, but we can leave here set free walking in freedom, walking in deliverance and by the power of your spirit that you would change and touch our hearts and our lives this morning and we honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name